So it's our, our last message in the, the theme that we've been going through, talking about the, the gospel, but using the, um, the illustrations throughout the Bible that, uh, that have to do with economy. In time, words change, right? They evolve. Uh, and it may take hundreds of years for something to change. Sometimes a single event changes kind of the, the way people perceive a word. And, uh, but, but a lot of times these evolve. Uh, we're actually in a time where language is evolving. Right? Uh, you've all heard uh, the word literal. This is a word which right now is in the process of changing. Fifty years from now, people are not going to use the word literally the right way. They already don't. About half people, un, you, know, you hear people all the time, uh, he like literally killed me. Wow, and you're still here. It's like, oh, this is amazing. No, he figuratively killed you. Right? He did not literally kill you. Uh, which is a good thing. Right? So, so words kind of evolve. And, and then pretty soon, uh, words are put into the dictionary. It's like, that's not what that means. Yeah, the dictionary has to recognize the way Things, things don't have, words are just sounds, right? And they don't have intrinsic value. We just, it, it's just what people communicate. And so if, if you and I are communicating a thing and that spreads, then the dictionary has to, for, for people who want to learn our language and, and want to understand what's being spoken, they have to represent this. this uh, so, so the dictionary now will be different from the dictionary, uh, you know, 50 years ago. The word nerd. Right. Now, depending on who you are in this audience, you have a different idea of the word nerd. Right? If you are my age or older, and someone says nerd, actually the word nerd originally was coined by Dr. Seuss, but um, the word nerd was, uh, you know, from someone my age, it, it, kind of a klutzy guy, you picture a klutzy guy with thick, dark Glasses, probably broken, right? Kind of stumbling around the hallway, not knowing where he is half the time. So if, if, if there's a, you know, you're talking to your son and you go, yeah, I was kind of nerd in high school. You have an idea of what you were. Your son might not get the same idea. Nerd is kind of a, it, it's not cool, but it's not uncool, right? A nerd now, I mean, because of technology, a nerd is kind of, wow, he knows a lot about computers. He's a programmer. He's a this, he's a that. You know, He's kind of technologically gifted. He's not this outcast from society the way it was in the 80s. Right? It's, it's different. Language has changed because culture has changed. There's, there's advances that have made a word different. <clears throat> I'm going to get someone that's going to correct me on that afterwards. That's my perception of the word nerd. So what we could say is actually the value has changed. The value of something has changed, not, not the word itself, but just how people value certain things in this instance has changed. And so in this series on economics, we're referencing, and we have referenced, we're going to go back to it today, the concept of treasure. Treasure. But our concept of treasure is different because... We have a thing called Hollywood. When you hear the word treasure, you think of something associated with pirates. Sorry, think of your phrases. Buried treasure. Treasure map. Treasure island. Cursed treasure. All your phrases with treasure. Sunken treasure. 
Everything thinks of some, you have some kind of shiny place where all the pots and the pans and the whatever. I don't know why shiny pots and pans were attractive to pirates, but whatever. Jewels, right? This is treasure. For the moment, I want you to put that out of your head. And we're going to talk about value. Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to look at two, basically two ideas this morning connected to the idea of value. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. <clears throat> Sorry, I've got a major frog in my throat. Try to bear with me. I know it's a really annoying, so it is to me too. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19, we're going to be going through verse 21. These these are all kind of short. If you notice, these these just a simple principle, um, and as they're they're pretty potent. Matthew 6:19. He says, do not lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, or treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. also. So I want to talk about, first of all, some types of treasure. Most of our um, uh, modern class envy, we talk about class envy, it's kind of a common theme. We have referenced it a little bit in our class in Ephesians this morning, talking about uh, devaluing people and, and, and how sometimes that happens if you, if you look at someone as inferior to you. You can, you can devalue them and think that, that they are uh, you, you, worth... Is, it's okay to take advantage. And, and sometimes that works the other way. Right? Uh, you, can, you can envy somebody and think that it's okay to take advantage of them, to take their stuff, because, hey, they have it. It's okay to take it. And, and class envy makes use of false pictures. One of those false pictures is a, fi- a false picture I grew up thinking the way people use treasure. I grew up with Donald Duck comic books. I know, what in the world? How old is this guy? Donald Duck cartoons. Remember Scrooge McDuck? He had the vault of, of coins, and he would sit there and swim around while these three dogs tried to figure out how to steal it. And, and, and that's an idea of class warfare, that, that rich people just have this big vault somewhere where they, they hoard their treasure, the shiny gold pirate treasure they've accumulated, and all their gold doubloons, and they're swimming around in them. Right? Not knowing that you know, rich people have very li- very little of their percentage of their wealth is liquid. Right? It, it, it's invested in things. It's in, it's in a property. It's in this. It's in that. But class warfare doesn't care about that. But we need to look at the real concept of value. The real concept of treasure is different. Now he does mention. Money. Anything that we would value and feel the need to store up in some way or invest in some way. 
would be a treasure. But to the people he's talking to, very little of that would be gold. He talks about not storing up the treasure where moth and rust destroy. Gold doesn't rust. So he's not talking about gold. Maybe silver. But gold doesn't tarnish. You put it there, 200 years from now, it's going to be just as shiny. But other things decay. The type of things that they considered treasure decayed. What would they store up? Well, grain. They stored up grain. Remember the man who had to build bigger barns? Grain is incredibly valuable. Animals. Animals were valuable. One of my preachers, he was a professor, um, he said there was a week one time where he came to church and he said uh, he got paid in chickens. (laughs) And he said, and I appreciated it. Because I was in a poor church. So we ate eggs for a month. We had eggs in the morning, and we had eggs in the afternoon, and we had eggs at night, and we had eggs. But I appreciated it. And he understood that this represented a commodity in the congregation he was at. And this was valuable to them, because this was their eggs. This was, you know, whatever it was, it was what they had. And so people store up all sorts of things, because they... They find things that are valuable to them in whatever way. The purpose of treasure. Let's look at the purpose of treasure. We talked about some types of treasure, but we need to look at the purpose of treasure. What makes a treasure valuable? Why do people value something? A shiny has no value unless you're a raccoon. Sheep were valuable because they were, we call it renewables, right? Renewables. Every year you need clothes. Your kids grow. Oh my goodness, we just bought clothes for these kids. Man, you have sheep, you don't have to worry about that. You might not like the process that goes from sheep to clothes. That is a nasty process. I watched a documentary on that. You don't want to know. But it's there. And so sheep were valuable. Stored grain represented not just the ability to eat, but it represented the ability to eat next year. It was your crop to plant. And this is why we build up bigger barns. Dudes, because because I, I'm storing up. Why? Because... I don't know what next year is going to be like. Maybe, maybe I won't have enough and I'll have to eat my crop for the third year. Yeah, things, we need long-term security. And so it was valuable because of the long-term. So you understand, when we look at and look at these parables on the economy, we're, we're not, our, our, our mind changes just a little bit when he's comparing to 
the things and the way we store up. And we're going to come back to these ideas when he, he talks about storing up. We're talking about storing up things that have long-term value. That have practical value. Heaven is not a vault room where we put shiny things. Is where we put valuable things. Well, the nature of our treasure tends to be visible. Not necessarily because it's shiny, but we emphasize the ability of physical things to accomplish things. Right? Money is the ability to accomplish things. And, and all the things that we value and we, we make sure that we have has to do with the ability to accomplish things. Whether now or retirement or, or all these things, we put a value on them, but we value visible, visible things because I know that that's there. I know I got that. If all things go wrong, I have that. And it's not true physically, it's also true spiritually. We emphasize building projects, don't we? I'm not saying building projects are bad, just like a retirement fund isn't bad. But sometimes we expect that thing to do the work. And with our valuables, God says, you know, that thing only has limited ability to do work for you. And a lot of the physical things that we trust to do work for the church uh, and grow the church has very limited value. We trust VBSs and we trust... The, and again, these are not bad things. We trust projects and programs and we trust a lot of these things that have visible appeal. But they're very limited. And God says, I want you to start focusing on spiritual things with eternal value to grow and produce in the future. What we, the nature of the things that we value tend to be, as he says here, what pulls at your heart. What things you make your decisions based on. Right? When we Walk into a store, what do you start to consider? How much does it cost? How much does it cost? Well, maybe I'm not going to get that one. That's a little expensive. We start thinking about things like that. And it pulls our heart. These decisions affect us, in other words. What do I want to do? Where am I going to go? What, what career? Well, you need a career that's going to give you a lot of money. We, 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 these are the decisions that we base everything on. And when we start to prioritize things, something wins. We can try to have two things kind of going, but eventually if those two things might conflict, and whichever is more important is going to win. This is what, I'm, what he's talking about. It's not wrong. He's not saying you can't ever have a bank account. That's not in here. He's not saying you can only store up things in heaven so therefore you can't have a bank account. Not in here. He's saying your treasure, the thing that pulls your heart, better be what's in heaven. 
Because if it ever comes to a conflict with what's in your bank account, one of those is going to win. And if your treasure, what you value in your heart, if that's in the bank account, that's going to win. And God's going to go, hit the road. So store up what is eternal. You will guard it. You will put things in place to preserve it. You will structure your life to make sure that that important thing is always there. Is it there? Is my investment, what's it doing today? Oh no, I heard a bad stock report yesterday. What did my, what happened? We check up on our valuables. Do I check up on my valuables? My spiritual values? How, how am I, how is my spiritual interest? Is it gaining? Is it losing? So am, I, am, I, am I making sure that it's being taken care of? If it's my valuables, then it will be. I want to turn to another passage, Matthew chapter 13. Because we talked about the idea of doing practical work with these valuables. That's their value, is that they can do something. So Matthew chapter 13. Verse 51 and 52. He says, Jesus said to them, Have you understood these things? In class, I'm going to stop right there for a moment. In class, this kind of question gets asked by teachers. And you always know I didn't understand that. But you're a chicken to raise your hand because you don't want to look like the stupid idiot in class. There's probably like 10 other stupid idiots in class just like you that have the same question as you, but no one wants to look like the stupid idiot, so no one raises their question. That's these 12 people. I know because I'm reading this, and I'm like, I don't understand all these things. And I just wish someone in this group would have raised their hand and said, Jesus got a question. Because some of this, it doesn't make sense to me, and Jesus, Jesus never felt the need to explain it. And I know some of these people had a question. Like, I would have liked a little more information if, if, you know, like, if Thaddeus would have raised his hands. I did not get a single word of that. Would, there would be an explanation after that, and it would have made this all much easier for me. But they didn't. So we kind of have to figure stuff out. Have you understood all these things? So then... They said to him, yes, Lord. Liars. And so he said to them, therefore, every scribe who is instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things that are new and old. Say what? I've, I've just, like, I've just breezed past this one because I'm so many times. Okay, I've got to figure this out one of these days. You know, this is just difficult. So I'm going to try. I want to talk about liquidation. We talked about those, those people who have invested all that stuff and they have this and here and this and that. But you know that's useless. 
It's wonderful as numbers on a page, but it's useless. I think about how sad it is to be Bill Gates. No kids. No kids to spend all that stuff on. No, no fun memories with, with kids and grandkids. For all that wealth, you can keep it. At some point, the numbers need to be able to do something. You need to turn them into... They're ju it's just paper. It's just metal. And, and un unless that can be turned into something valuable, then what good is it? You've stored up shiny stuff. It's got to be valuable. And the only valuable thing about what we have, whether it's grain or whether it's this, or whether it's that, whatever the thing is, unless it gets used, it's got zero value. It's called potential. Physics class, which I did not do so good in, I did learn the difference between two kinds of energy. There's potential energy and kinetic energy. And it was described to me, and, and I remember this, I not, don't remember much. But was, he had a big cliff, and then on top of the cliff he put a, a, a ball. It was a big round circle. And, and he showed us the height, and he showed us the mass, and all this stuff, and there's a big equation. Right? And, and, and he said, this has the ability to do this amount of work, if someone just pushes it off the cliff. But so long as it's sitting right there, it's not doing nothing. It's useless. It's got a ton of potential. But there's no kinetic thing happening. No energy is being used. Wealth, treasure, is the ability to do work. It's all those numbers sitting in bank accounts if you're talking about money. It's all the stuff that's been invested in you by, by your teachers, by your Sunday school teachers. They put and invest in you. And they store information and preachers and all sorts of people that you've been raised. They put and invest so much potential. But until someone just pushes it off, it does no work. My treasure. What do I treasure? What do I value? And is it doing anything? And so, so what we want to talk about here is liquidating that potential. Taking it from one form in which it's not doing anything and turning it into something. Someone says, hey, uh, uh, I suddenly need to, you know, Warren Buffett says, I need to, I, I'm sitting here and I'm watching and this thing is where I want to do. Boom. He takes an asset, he liquidates it, makes it usable, and does something useful with it. Right? That, that's the process. So we're talking, remember, we're talking about the gospel. And so we want to leverage some of the things that we have, whether they're physical or spiritual, into growing and, and, and fostering the gospel. 
And he says, a wise person, a man who's instructed, knows how to do this. He knows how to liquidate things that are old. He brings out things that are old. Now, I'm, in my mind, I'm envisioning a guest. Here's a man. He's, got, he's a householder. He, he brings things, treasures out that are old. So, so here he has a guest. Well, what kind of things would you bring that's old? That seems not nice. I got some old stuff for you. Right? Um, I heard a story I probably used before. A lady called up. I, I, uh, uh, I don't even know which, which company it was. It was a frozen food company. She says, I have a turkey. It's been frozen. I know that it's never been thought out. Is it still good? How old is it? She's like, it's been in there for like two or three years. Well, he says it, it won't be spoiled. It's been frozen steadily. If, it, if your freezer thought out, then yes, it's bad. But if it stayed frozen, it's okay to eat, but it's not going to have any flavor. She goes, oh, I'll donate it to the church. Who <laughs> <laughs> would do that? You, you, would, you wouldn't bring that out. Who would bring something out old for an honored guest? <clears throat> we have an Italian here. What old thing might you bring out that has a lot of value? You have to think of something old? Yeah, well, you're the only Italian in here, I think. Okay, so 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 some store so yeah, old. What about wine? You bring something old like wine out. That says something, right? Because something bottled in the early 1800s, you just don't, you can't get that back. That's used. It's gone. It's old. It's valuable. It's a treasure, right? That's old. A man who is in charge of, of a, a household knows the old things are valuable. He, he, he presents something old, but he says he also presents something new. Well, if it's good to bring out old stuff, why bring out new stuff? Well, some new stuff is, we've just barely got this. And both of those have application in the church. See, people are worth our investment, in other words. The gospel is this thing, and and the gospel has a concept to it that's old and yet new. And that's what he's trying to teach them. Look at the book of Acts. As you go through the book of Acts, how did they teach? Do you notice that their sermons were all from the Old Testament? They didn't have a New Testament yet written. And they could teach the gospel from the Old Testament. That is strange. How could you do that? They had a mastery of what was old. They knew it. So he says, a wise scribe can bring stuff out from the old. He said, learn that lesson. There's value in it. And they understood the value in it. Now, we don't have a new, new Testament. right? We still kind of have one that's 2,000 years old. 
But don't be ashamed of it because it's old. There's a whole world that wants it to be, well, that's outdated. It's vintage. It's valuable. These are old treasures. And the world around us needs some old treasure. Get into this and know it. A wise scribe is able to bring out the treasures and show how they still apply to a world that needs it more than ever. Know this treasure. Be familiar with this treasure that our apostles bottled for us so long ago and have preserved. It's been preserved with a lot of effort. It's been preserved with a lot of pain. For us, know it. Use it. It is gaining value as we speak. So then, why would we teach things that are new if we wouldn't teach things that, I mean, if the old is good, it seems opposite. So I want to be cautious as I say this. The Bible hasn't changed and it won't. There's nothing in here that's no longer valid. That's not what I'm saying when I say that we bring things new. When God brought in the new system, he was changing a system. That's, that's different now. That's why it's called new. I want you to think about the differences. The, the things that people were forced, not forced, but required to accept in a moment. They were required suddenly to no longer think of the temple as the center of worship. Jesus said, the time's coming when neither here on this mountain or in the temple people are going to worship it. That's going to be bye-bye. Kosher food laws. What? What? We have to eat. Gone. The Ten Commandments are no longer valid. It's not that they're bad, but it's, they're no longer the reason why we do things. The ceremonial law for sure is gone. All those rituals. Sac- the, the idea of, of animal sacrifice is no longer necessary. All of your identifications, your genealogies, gone. Who cares? Nobody cares. Over and over. I mean, in a moment, God said, this is done. That's a lot. That's a lot of new stuff. And so between then and now, there's not a new system. God hasn't asked us to, to change a new system. Say, oh yeah, that Christ thing is over. I've got another thing here. Right? That's, not, that's not reality. So I want to give a reasonable application. So what he was saying then is not exactly applicable, but there is an application. What new treasures can we utilize as keepers of this house? What new treasures, what new things are there as keepers of this house, that we can relate to the world around us. Technology is new. Can you imagine if Paul had the ability of technology at his hand that we have? Man, he was productive as it was, and he had to get around by ship. Can you imagine? 
transportation, just tr- just transportation. Hey, Paul, I got a, I got a note that uh, some people are gonna come kill us. All right, get in the car. <laughs> that was a short chapter, right? It just everything would have been so different. What about property? They didn't own property. The church. I mean, if you put a sign out there, it would have been like, a, "Come kill us here." They didn't own church property. They didn't own all this stuff. We have this stuff. This building sits vacant. I don't know how many hours there are in a week, but almost all of them. It is vacant. It's not being used. Think of the money that goes into this. It is an asset. Creative people need to be able to think of how to use stuff. To liquidate an asset for the purpose of the gospel, because this one day is not going to be here. The gospel is eternal. So he says, store up eternal things. Convert everything you possibly can into some form that will do something eternally. This is physical stuff. We're not going to have it that long. Let's use it for an eternal purpose. If you've listened to sermons, messages, forever how long you have, if you were raised in the church, and if you've never decided to be a part of Christ, right now you have tons of potential. I would like to push you off the edge. And see you start to work. You have tons of potential. You have tons of ability. If you will let Christ start putting the gear in. Spin those wheels. You have tons of potential. but it's only potential until it's being engaged, until it's working, being used. The only value of anything you have, whatever asset, it can be physical. God spoke about money as an asset, and physical things are an asset. He talked. He, he said, you know, <clears throat> he said, Non-believers, worldly people seem to know more how to use their wealth than sometimes godly people. Than sometimes they're more they're more faithful with with unrighteous mammon than than, than we are. He said, "You should at least be like them in that way. They know how to use what they got to get what they want." But with us. <clears throat> There's a slight difference. That value and all that stuff that we could liquidate, it only works. That power of that gospel only is shared through people. This church building won't do anything for anybody. 
this program, all the effort, and there has been tons of effort put into it. I've been here painting with people. I've been here working. John comes every week and mows the lawn. And there's a ton of effort and work that goes into this stuff. But unless people engage other people and bring their treasures out, then we have potential as a church. All those things. I ask us as a congregation to do what we can to value what we need to value the right way and to look at it for what it has, the ability to produce more faithful people in the world around us and to be a little bit more kinetic.